Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast, Swaggo and Perk, an ESPN podcast led by his namesake host Marcus Spears, that's Swaggo, and Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news as well as a look inside their lives, career journey, with can't-miss conversations. That's Swaggo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Also, ESPN's Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 documentary film series presents the greatest mixtape ever, the story of how a series of streetball videos set to music in the 90s transformed basketball's place in the culture, defined the lives of the players who starred in them, and changed the game itself forever. Stream now on ESPN+. And listen to the companion 30 for 30 podcast, a streetball mixtape, exploring the essence of streetball through a collection of legendary stories. Listen now on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the right time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for watching on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We're going to talk about that Beyonce and Drake dropping. Get you ready for baseball season because this is the time of the week where we have a guest join us, our resident baseball man. Check him out on The Daily Show. Roy Wood Jr. was at him, man. Let me start by telling you a story about one of your other ESPN folk at the gate. Now, your boy Jacoby over there, Jalen and Jacoby. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, I know I'm supposed to just let stuff slide, right? As an adult, you ain't supposed to like have no beef and all of that. But, you know, I need your advice on this. Okay. And I trust you as an OG. Okay. You know, I go to a New York Liberty game, Liberty Chicago Sky. I see Jacoby at the game with his boys. I'm there with my boys, six years old. Game is moving fast. I'm looking at the clock. I go, huh, the Cubs are playing the Yankees. If we haul ass, we can get there by the sixth inning. So I grab two little StubHub fan, whatever. I I get two $8. I just need to get in there just to see it with my boy, right? You went from Brooklyn to the Bronx. That's impressive. was debating it. Jacoby is the one that pushed me over the hill. And he goes, you should do it. You're out with your son. It's a full sports day. This will be great. He will remember. And I go to the Bronx. And it was the day that Frank Schwind, it was the day the Yankees, it was was the second day that the Yankees put up double digits on the Cubs. And my son, who up until that point was a casual White Sox fan, I've been kind of trying to feed him Tim Anderson propaganda because Tim Anderson's from Bama, you know, trying to get him to watch black baseball play. My son saw the Yankees hit that baseball that far that many times and he left a Yankees fan and now I'm raising a Yankees fan. Wow. How do you, how do you, and it's crazy how a simple choice to go to a women's basketball game can affect the trajectory of your family sports lineage. No, it is not. It is not your decision to go to a women's basketball game. It was your decision to leave a women's basketball game, and that's what you're being punished for. See, don't – but I stayed for – How's this my fault and not Jacoby's? See, I knew you was going to defend Jacoby. I'm not saying it's not Jacoby's fault, right? Like, Jacoby encouraged you to leave a women's basketball game. He encouraged me to be a good father. 
He encouraged yeah, me to be a good father. Right, but I feel like a good father is showing women in ways that they need to see as, you know, to be able to get the full range of respect and all that. And Jacoby, I did that. And, yeah, and I know, but you needed to let him do it a little bit more, I think. My question to you is how do you de-influence your child from, like, like I know you're not supposed to, like, as a father supposed to be hands-off, you ain't supposed to force your sports sadness onto yeah. the child. But not the Yankees. Come well, on, dog. Well, it's interesting you mentioned Come that. on, dog. Um, because my good buddy Shannon, when his son, who is now startlingly 16 years old, um, when he was a young fella, he was a really, really, really big Kobe fan. His father was not a big Kobe fan. And I remember Bubby once looked at me and was like, you love Kobe, don't you? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> like he was, he was all in on Kobe. <laughs> and so I decided to try to do his dad a favor because his dad was not the Kobe guy. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to help Shannon out with this. So I went to YouTube and I pulled up one of the more memorable clips of Kobe Bryant's career. Mm -hmm. The Lakers were playing a game against the Knicks once and got a little heated there with Chris Childs. And Chris Childs gave him two to the jaw. And yes. the little homie just looked at me so sad. It was just like, why did he hit Kobe? And I was like, damn, okay, maybe I would have stepped too far, right? Like, like, like now you I, feel I, sorry I, for Kobe. Yeah, I misunderstood the child's sensibilities that he wouldn't view that as, you know, <laughs> like you can't be just giving, giving your affection to the dude getting Your rocked. favorite player can't take a punch? Yeah, yeah. Although team. I will say, Kobe ate the punches. He was still ready to fight. Like, not like he got knocked to the ground. But okay. my attempt to try to help Shannon out, I think, actually emboldened the young fella and probably made him even more of a Kobe fan because now he had reason to sympathize. I'm scared, man. I'm scared. And I was trying to get my boy to watch the White Sox because, you know, they play with a little bit of swag. You know, it's a lot mm -hmm. of brown and black on that team. You know, they hit a home run. They pimp it a little bit. I try to get him to watch a little shout out to Jazz, Jazz Chisholm down there in Miami. Yeah. I let him watch a little Jazz Chisholm. But them Yankees, man, that boy is all in, and I don't know how to reverse this. Well, just stop letting them watch the Yankees. How you going to stop a six-year-old from accessing the world? Tell them they be cussing. He got all them damn Yankees. I tried to show him some highlights of when the Yankees were trash. Did you know the Yankees ain't had a 90-loss season since like 91 or 92? I remember that season, though. They were really bad. And my boy is sharp enough to know when he watching, as he calls it, olden day footage. The fact that he <laughs> refers to footage from the 90s as the olden days, I kind of already want to fight him. But I mean, you gave it, him an olden name. Yeah, Henry is an olden yeah, name. We don't make play. a lot of those no more. Oh, speaking of which, where's my phone? I'm not going to say what the brother is running for or the state or none of that, because politics, 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 we ain't going to do that. But there's a brother running for a political position this year named Verley. Oh. I ain't gonna say no, ain't no last names, no nothing. Just Verley. Now, if there's ever a name that suggests that that brother has the spirit of the ancestors behind him <laughs> to make the change that we need to see. Verley, I don't know. See, got there's that dude Vernon in Georgia who operating on a different space and which ancestors he listening to is a different discussion. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he listened like, to the forefathers. He yeah, I tell you, actually, ancestors. I was walking on the street yesterday uh, about to meet a friend for dinner and I stumbled into Eric Adams and it reminded me that a couple of days before I had seen Eric Adams at some press conference with a colored stone in his left ear. And I'm like, wow. This is what we march for, baby. Like the mayor yeah. of New York out here with a colored earring. Yeah, Eric Adams is 100% going to run for some larger office. You can already mm -hmm. see what he's positioning himself for. That boy trying to go to Senate. 
mess around trying to run for president at some point. But in the meantime, just running around New York trying to fix problems and buying bodega fruit at two in the morning. Why do do politicians, just politics as a whole, why do they think just eating regular food is like some way to get voters? Every year, look at me. I'm at your regular ass diner (laughs) eating food. Don't we agree on issues now? It's like, no. But that's the point. They're trying to show like commonality and relatability. And this is what I wonder about the mayor of New York, whether it be Eric Adams or the de Blasio or anybody else. What percentage of bodega owners slash whoever it is at the counter right now would know the mayor if he just walked in in the middle of the night? If they did know him, they'd cuss him out. Yeah. Like, I'm just, like, I wonder about that, you know, because I'm thinking about this right now. Bill de Blasio get off the elevator on my floor, and I'm going to be like, who this white man? Like, he show up with his <laughs> wife, and I'm going to be like, oh, okay, didn't see that coming, but oh, oh, you're that white man. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. You listen to this Drake yet? So. Or the Beyonce? Okay. I'll start with the Drake. Okay. Okay. That everybody, that seems most people hate. Well, it's interesting because I used to listen to every Drake album when they came out once. I knew I wasn't going to listen to it a second time, right? But like just in case he actually gave me the banger that I wanted. I would not be able to say that I just refused, right? So I typically give them a run. But then after a while, I was just like, why am I doing this? I don't like, I feel like the songs all, I mean, not all sound the same because that makes me sound so old. But I just, I'm still like, okay, this ain't really my bag. I didn't have to like give myself the obligatory Drake run. I'll also admit that by now I thought that they would have got this dude out to paint. Like he'd been running the paint for 13 <laughs> years. I did not think that this would continue in the way that it has, but it has, right? The kids are into sensitivity. I understand that. I would have expected that his generation would have outgrown him because he has not grown up, but I guess they don't grow up neither. So it all comes together, right? Well, I, there's been, I think there's been one molting of Drake from braggadocious bad not necessarily he never been thug life but i got money i got women i'll do you know young money is just, and now it's well you know i had an emotion and i'm feeling sad and i had a little bit of loss and now i'm looking for a pick-me-up album i haven't listened to it but see i used to think he was he was throwing all that sadness like the problem i had was it was sad but empty like that was my thing about him is that i could deal with your sad if you make me feel your sad instead you know what he decided like it was like it just sounded like a whole bunch of reincarnations of I need love and I ain't never really been about that you know that life no way so like the Drake I ain't got to but the Beyonce 
I set it to play because, and like the thing I was talking about with Drake, where I'm like, okay, I go through and check it just to see or whatever. I was not much a Destiny's Child fan. Like I was a teenage dude when that stuff came really? out. Like I was a fan of Destiny's Child videos, but I wasn't really such a Destiny's Child music enthusiast. I'm not saying you was pulling up banging, can you pay my bills? Can you pay my telephone yeah. bills? But you didn't like just... You had an appreciation for it. You just didn't. That just wasn't it what wasn't you was going. It wasn't my speed. You like, I'm not going to be sitting it. around listening to no. Like, like, the no, no, no joint when that first came out. You know, I'm from Houston, too, right? Like, you know, so, like, I was with it, but I'm, I was not a Beyonce fan. Like, there are Beyonce songs that came around, okay. but I wasn't a fan. And then that self-titled record dropped, and that was dope. And then the Lemonade dropped, and that was dope, right? Like, that was a magnum opus, shall we say. I like four... I like beyond. I like the Destiny's Child Survivor album, but then mm-hmm. I also equate music to when I was working in radio, and that was one mm-hmm. of the ones when I was like in peak radio. So that album we played a ridiculous amount of times. We played Survivor, yeah. we played Nasty Girl off of that album. So like those two cuts, if they come on, I'll leave them on. Yeah, like I just wasn't gonna be sitting around listening to a Beyonce record, like especially where I was. I was in that that anti R and B hip hop space. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah. we was we was we was vehemently opposed. And then by the way, as we've gotten older, I look at all the anti R and B cats and how somehow they're familiar with all the babyface classics. They was lying to us. But anyway, <laughs> the last couple music drops that Beyonce made, right? The album she did with Jay Z and the Lion King joint, and I found neither of them to be particularly memorable. And that's maybe like the most complimentary way I could put it. It just didn't do nothing for me. So this new one comes out and I'm on the, like with Drake, I'm like, I just want to listen to this record because I feel like I need to know what the kids are up to. When the Beyonce comes out, I'm like, no, let me see what this is. And so I press play on it and, you know, that Robin S type stuff, (laughs) you know, like, like, like that's what it was. And I was like, huh, is this what we're doing? Because I had read that that's what Drake was doing is that Drake was on this dance music kick. And so today I listened to the Beyonce joint a couple times more on the headphones. It will do well. It will be enjoyable, right? It's not my type of music. Like, that's a personal taste issue. But I see where people are coming from. But my worry about this is, I feel like if Beyonce and Drake are doing records with that sound, that's like a bellwether of where the game is going to go, I suppose. And that is not where I want the game to go. Like, if they are willing to go there in that, oh, 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 if they want to do that, that's cool. Don't nobody else got to do that, but I think they're going to feel like they got to do that, and that's what's going to happen. If this is where the game is going, this will be like the first time that the game went retro into something I didn't want to go back to. I'll offer a counter to that, and then I bring to you, I present to you some of the wisdom of one DJ Jazzy Jeff, who I had the pleasure of having a conversation with a couple months ago. And he talked about how in the club, drill and trap music or what a lot of people want to hear. And the club, nightclubs now, from a business model sense, are pushing bottle service. They're pushing VIP. They're not really pushing people dancing. Therefore, it's a lot of people in, in the club not dancing, with their phones out, taking videos of the bottle girl bringing around the sparkly stuff. So if this Drake record and this Beyonce record gets people back out on the floor, Shaking they behind, which I would argue hasn't happened since maybe some of that. I'd say crunk was the end of like proper night, like being on the dance floor, mm-hmm. booty shaking in the sense of I'm here to sweat. I am here to dance. I'm here to shake my behind. And in that regard, 
I think it'll be good because it'll get people off them damn phones and get them to shake in their behinds in the club. I ain't been to the club since 2008. I'm not an expert. <laughs> I, it's funny you, you mentioned I do that. my jokes in the club and I leave. As soon as the DJ starts setting up, <laughs> like, all right, man, I did my jokes. Man. <laughs> well, it's funny you said that because I did have a macro level observation that I forgot. And I think this ties into this, right? So me and my buddy Spencer were talking about this, where you come, like if you look at England in the late 70s and early 80s, and that's the emergence of punk, right? Correct. They was mad up there. I'm not exactly sure why they was mad. I don't know the history of their country in that way, but they was mad up there and they was getting that mad out, right? And it was going and it was going, it was going. And then one day, them folks were like, well, actually, we kind of just want to dance now, right? Like we've been through all, of, you know, we went through all of that and now we just kind of want to dance. And that's when you get like the new wave stuff, the Duran Duran and all of that starts piping through because those working class people over there decided, you know what? Now we want to dance. Correct. And then it comes around. So I'm looking at this period of time that we've been in the last two years and change. And really, I think we can like dial it back to 2016, man. People been mad and had a lot to be mad about. I don't know how much of that trickles into the club, but people done had a lot to be mad about and i think like getting all that high energy stuff that we're hearing it goes in that direction right like it speaks to that emotion so maybe in line with what you were saying the positive of this is people tired of going in that direction and now they just want to get out here and dance and that's cool i'm just making the argument that maybe there's a different way to dance and not that i've been to the club anytime soon but perhaps something with a few uh, less BPM for those of us who don't really have the coordination for the let go. I'm sick. I, I'm six and change, baby. You don't want that house music bounce, big freedom no, foundation. No, <laughs> no, like that's the thing about house music. House music is the one thing that the country never got down. I don't mean the nation country. I mean the country country. Like we eventually came around on rap. It took a while as a region for the South to really get there. But once we did, we got our own thing going or whatever. But that ooh, ooh, ooh music, somehow that the, the GDs came back from Chicago, but not the house music. <laughs> I haven't listened to either album yet. Like I, I'm one of them people now, man. I will, You know what I miss, bro? I miss when not everybody got the music at the same time so that every opinion happened at once about the thing and then it starts influencing. If you're not careful, people's opinion. It's like when a movie come out and you wait too long to see the movie and then it don't hit the way everybody said it was going to hit because you had gotten all your hopes up based on everybody else's words. I like to be able to listen with an independent mind. So I let the storm pass because more often than not, I'm never up on stuff when it just comes out. I like to study and sit with it without a bunch of, without clicking on too many blogs and reviews and tweets on the stuff. Like I'm just now settling into Kendrick and I'm able to listen to it without all of this extra analysis and opinion on it. And, you know, also the fact that back in the day, you used to have to save up to get a CD. You used to have to ho hope for someone to burn the CD. Music burned longer. It lasted longer. You know, folks would get the Drake album, go trash. Anyway, what's going on tomorrow? Like, whoa. We supposed to save this album for damn at least four five months. And you telling me it's trash now? Done? Never holler back? So I don't want to go into listening to music like that. So I just you know I wait a while. Yeah, I, I'm the same. I do not get involved in any of the early discussion. Like I don't even unless it's somebody that I absolutely love. I won't listen to it until the chatter has gone away and I try to avoid it. It's freeing it. to look someone in the eyes and go, I haven't heard it yet. Because they'd be so anxious to, like, when I'm out with my son and them kids be running around the park with them, water, them little water guns, they have their water gun fights, 
And then they get ready to shoot you and they realize you don't have a gun. Go, ah, see, I'm not in it. Go find somebody mm-hmm. else to shoot a tweet at. It's so freeing, bro. But you got to remember, because of my background in the music thing, they've stopped now, but they be coming to me like, yo, I got to hear what you think about this. And I'm like, I will get to y'all when I get to y'all about that thing. <laughs> and it is more enjoyable. I don't need to be up on things as they happen anymore. You know what I mean? Like there was a time, especially like even professionally, I needed to be up on things with a certain currency that I don't need to have with uh with the music anymore. But you're right. Let me tell you something else that dawned on me as you said that. It's a whole generation that don't know what it's like when your favorite artist truly lets you down because they just paying for a streaming service, right? Yeah. They don't know what it's like. Like, I'm trying to think. I know the answer for me. It's probably different for you. But can you, like, the first album that comes to mind when you think about it, that you went in there and you paid that money and you got in the car or you got to the crib and you played it and you were like, We've been hoes, Timmy. We've been hoes. Oh, let me scroll. I'm literally, I'm scrolling through my iTunes right now. I mean, that album might not be in your iTunes. Yeah, because you have to look at the artist <laughs> and see the one that <laughs> ain't there. See the year. <laughs> like, I just remember going, I'd say later Eminem is a knee jerk. My answer is Immobilarity by Raekwon. And so, for those of you who were not like Woo Disciples, right? Because I was in a crew of Woo disciples but around this time you know the wu-thing is not going exactly as it had before we got past wu-tang forever i think this is around the time the method put out the decal 2000 record which was all right but not the heat but raekwon put out only bill for cuban links i probably still contend that only bill for cuban links is the best of the wu albums but i remember i read a review of a mobility in the source and it was I believe two and a half mics. And if I'm wrong, it's because they didn't give them the half. They trashed it. But that was at a time where we wasn't really feeling so great about the source. And I remember me and my brother looked at each other and we were like, but he gave us Cuban links. We owed it to him. So we went to Best Buy and we put a mobility on. And I still don't know anything after All I Need Part 2. Because they did All I Need Part 2. And all I need part two was a sample of Penny Lover by Lionel Richie. And I just remember me and my brother looking at each other like, what has Raekwon done? And these kids, because they just paying the fee for the stream. I mean, us too. We just pay the fee for the stream. You check it. You don't like it. You're going about your business or whatever it is. But there's nothing like when you got to try to talk yourself into a record. <laughs> they don't know that Which life. Which changes how you talk about it to other people, which changes the public perception of said artist and album. Because yes. now... Like you don't you're too embarrassed to admit that you waited in line at midnight for MP, the last Don, the double album, when you know deep down (laughs) Master P should have only given you one disc and MP, the last Don would be a classic. The same as Ghetto D, the same as I'm about at the soundtrack, except except don't forget. It was two discs, but for the price of one, like I recall (laughs) the MP, the last Don was like thirteen dollars. For 875 he songs. He had heat on there, but it was it didn't need to be too... Uh, for the most part, pretty much all double albums are a sucker's bet. Full stop. You're not getting 28 cuts of fire. It's two CDs, 14 cuts apiece. You're probably getting three tracks per CD. Bone Thugs and Harmony, Art of War was a double disc. That was good on each one. But if you had to combine them things... I got mine. For life after death. What? Hold on. Whoa. Huh? No, I was going to say, I I would say, I would say Pac, 
death. Before I say life after death, if we're going to go, which double disc should have been a single, which double album should have been a single album, and you're saying life after death, and not all eyes on me. Yes. No, not all eyes on me. I think all eyes on me is blazing heat from start to finish. There is no, what do you do if your uh is untrue on all eyes on me. They know I love the dough on all eyes on me. Now, hang on now. See, you're being disrespectful. You know know why all eyes. Let me find, let me compare the track list. Here's what's interesting to me about all eyes on me as a double disc in the context that you discussed, because I agree, most double discs don't need to be double discs. What's interesting to me about that is normally when people do the double disc, they try to sprawl and touch a little bit of everything. Life after death being an example of that, right? Like they they use that to try to like Princess Side of the Times is a good example of that. The clashes, uh, London calling. Like, but when you go through and you think about a lot of those double discs, they try to do a whole bunch of different things. Pac was like, actually, no, I just got out of jail <laughs> and I got 28 I just got out of jail songs. Right here, right? It's not like I just got out of jail quite like Chico DeBarge, Long Time No See, which had a song on it called Virgin because he just got out of jail. But Tupac put out 28 blazing I just got out of jail songs, right? And, you know, he he did it. He did it. I think that's a better record than Life Jeez, After Death. I'm did. counting the first disc of all. I, now, the first disc it's is 11. Heat. It's 15 cuts. 11 of them I still I still play to this day. Oh, you're talking about the, the yeah. All Eyes on Me yeah. first disc. Yeah, the second disc is not as hot as the first one. But, but the it's first enough to right. justify a second disc. Yes, yes, yes. And I think the first disc on Life After Death is flames. The second one is when we start getting into, I don't, I don't think we need it. Okay, so then the that. second disc on Life After Death. Give me Notorious Thugs, Ten Crack Commandments. Uh-huh. I like Player Hater as some comedic, this marquee it's an interlude fair it's a four minute interlude but yes yes long kiss good night you're nobody till somebody i like somebody that <laughs> i like that i like long kiss good night then the other ones i'm just kind of like the 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 miss you joint with 112 i don't want to hear i don't want to hear that i want to hear pop talk about the dead homies biggie talk about the dead homies isn't nearly as interesting somebody tweeted this the other day i'm not gonna say who because i don't want folks finding her but she basically said that Pac had weaker features on most of his tracks. Yeah, because his features was typically dudes. Well, the outlaws were not lyrically yes. on that same level. They do. And so, the, <laughs> I don't dudes. know, that's just why, I don't know, I think that's kind of why, why I enjoy Life After Death in a totality more than where, with All Eyes On Me. It's like, I can't wait for this verse and then mm-hmm. let me get the hell out of this song. With the exception of Trading War Stories. Trading War Stories, everybody was just, oh my goodness gracious. And you'd have to admit that All Eyes on Me, just by the nature of what it is, is a lot more fun. Where All Eyes on Me is Tupac, like, I got my life back, and Life After Death is Biggie saying, they about to kill me. <laughs> like, the last four or five tracks are just basically, dog, I'm telling you, they about to kill me. Yeah, my downfall, long kiss. You know, by until somebody kills you, my downfall, long kiss goodnight. (laughs) What's beef? Well, what's beef on the first disc? But still, it is a paranoid, paranoid record. But I like your point, though. We allow too many people who ain't spend no money to talk about these records, right? Because that's a good point. You had to make the investment of $12.99 in order to have the right to enter into the discussion about a record. Because if you hadn't bought the record yet, all you had was the single and maybe the B-side if you bought singles back then. But now everybody, well, I think that this whole album and the arc, and it's like, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, here's my one. 
that disappointed me. And I know you're going to tell me that I should have known better. Uh, Goody Mob, Age Against the Machine, 2013. It's their fourth studio album. Okay. That came 14 years after their, after World Party, which was kind of like their, I don't want to say goodbye, but like that Mm -hmm. was the end of that, of their era in hip hop because, you know. See, that's the one where they let most people down. It's interesting that it took you a little later. World Party is what it is. I mean, it wasn't the same consciousness or whatever, and they were definitely becoming more experimental. But when you hear that your favorite group is coming back and you're like, yes. Now y'all all going to get to hear what I heard back in 1996. <laughs> and then you realize either you've evolved or they didn't or vice versa. You know what I mean? Where this was good then, but this is sounds too close to what what like I don't know what it was, but it didn't get me the way Still Standing did. An immaculate hip hop album at a time where the South was considered dumb and stupid. And it was extremely lyrically high concept. Extremely. Yeah. It's got some indefensible views on it, by the oh, way, when you go back in. Most 90s hip hop does not stand up yeah. to the yeah, test yeah, of societal yeah, morality yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. Like I will say, intellectually speaking, you'll go back and be like, ooh, I don't know how bright they were at this point. But interestingly about Goody Mob, they put out that record in 03 or 04, The One Monkey Don't Stop, Don't Show. And there's a track called Shawty Wanna Be a Gangster. And Gip might have the best Goody Mob verse of all Goody Mob verses on that one. Like, like they 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 pop up and hit you with a with a with a with a little something there. I'm trying to think of any other time that I was just like, man, I can't believe I gave him my money. I always tell people this story. This wasn't about after giving up your money, but so I started college in 1997. Okay. Important note. I go to Clark Atlanta, and one thing I didn't realize before I had gotten there is how deep New York was rolling there. This is especially like coming off the Freaknik era, right? They'd seen the videotapes and all that stuff and they wanted to come to the A. All right, so New York is deep, but you gotta understand, man, New York was in a tricky situation. Biggie had just died and I didn't realize how big a deal that was to them boys up there, particularly the ones from Brooklyn. Let me tell you a story after this, keep going. Yeah, I I just didn't know, right? But it was a big thing for them and so they were looking for a new leader and the decision had been made that Jay-Z was going to be that guy, right? That he was the next guy and he'd done reasonable doubt and he loved that and everything else. Okay, cool. So in like September of 97, Jay-Z released the first single from his second album called In My Lifetime, Volume 1. And that single was a song called Sunshine. That sh- stinks to high heaven it was the most obvious pandering i'm trying to go commercial attempt that you could have and so these dudes is looking for the next biggie and next thing you know this cat come out here with a song with baby face it's so bad and the video is a hype williams flashy lights and the beat is like right and like all this is going on and i remember it came on in the lounge and one of them new york dudes was watching it and I watched the heartbreak wash over his face as he expected Jay-Z to say today, only to realize that Jay-Z had hit him with that bush. Oh my God, it was all, it was so much. But they tried to make themselves love it. That was the thing. They tried to make themselves love it. So let me tell you a story from FAMU. The night that Tupac died, at the time at FAMU, from what I knew of people I was aware of, we had student body of about 14,000. I only knew of three people west of Dallas. 
if you were Texas and all points west, you were essentially a Tupac fan. That's just the way. Yes, yes. For rap purposes, the West Coast began at okay. the Texas Louisiana. Port. So there was a couple cats from California, like legit from LA, a homie, a homie accent, Chucks mm-hmm. and the whole nine. When Tupac got shot, every night we would go into the TV room and watch BT Nightly News to get the Tupac update. You watch Monday Night Football and then you switch over to Ed Gordon. And you, you watch the first 10 minutes to see if Tupac was still, what's Tupac's status? And then you switch back to Monday Night Football. And the night Tupac died, there was three cats from New York in the, in the TV room. And he comes on. I don't know if it was Jackie Reed, Tavis, whoever. And we regret to inform you, Tupac Shakur has been taken off of life support and passed away. And these three dudes from New York stood up and started clapping. Now, oh, no. The room is 80% Southern rap fans. So for the most part, you loved Pac, but not fight. Like you didn't love, you loved Pac, but you didn't hate him enough to stand up and clap. But you also didn't love him enough to fight three dudes who was clapping about his death. And them three dudes from Cali saw them boys clap. And we had a, like, you know, like every dorm had like the the dorm RA (laughs) person. God rest his soul. I think he's dead. If not, hello, I'm glad you're still alive. Shout out to Big Lou. Big Lou was working the front desk and he looked at them Cali boys and he see the New York boys clapping, applauding Tupac's death. And he looked, Big Lou looked at the Cali boys and said, do it outside, please. <laughs> and he snatched them boys up and took them outside, boy, and they went to work on them. They went to work on them. And like, I don't know what would bring you to do that in a public setting. Like, you know, like you, there's just certain fights. Why would you bring that upon yourself? They stomped them boys, man, man, they stomped them boys. If he had done that at Prairie View, the RA would not have said do it outside. The RA (laughs) would have thrown the first punch. When I begin to tell you about the affection that Houston had for Tupac is different dog is different like when Tupac died like I look back on it and you know the mid 90s and early 90s but really the mid 90s like it's the era of like funeral dirges on the radio this is for my homies in the gangsta lean the crossroads you know I didn't properly appreciate and understand how many people were dying right because like my friends weren't getting shot my people you know like this was not my life I didn't realize like just how real all that stuff was at the time. And so Pac, man, Pac was speaking to a life that people related to on an emotional level. Like no rapper ever related to his audience on an emotional level the way that Tupac did while being hyper-masculine, all of these things, right? Like it all comes together. Man, Tupac died and all that crying on the radio and everything. And I remember not long after that, there's this girl who had this kind of crush on me and I wasn't so much feeling her, but even if I was feeling her, one thing that was very clear is that she and I were from different neighborhoods, right? Like it was clear and I'm talking to her and I'm trying to get in the rhythm of her. And I said something about, I think Biggie was doing a show in Houston and I was saying something about like, oh, I want to go to that as if my mama was ever going to let me. But anyway, I'm saying that, man, she said she wanted to go to that show and run up on Biggie. She, Ooh, hello. She like, cat. It, it was like when Biggie died, it was so heartbreaking because it was so unsurprising because my frame of reference was all these people in my neighborhood and how they felt about it. Like, oh, that makes sense. 
you know, like in the school I went to, like pot. As I tell people, I don't talk about pot in front of people, man. It ain't a discussion about music. You know what I really wish this generation had to suffer through musically that we had to suffer through? <laughs> Record label group compilation albums. We are going to make you like everybody that we've signed. Give it up for Drag All. You like DMX? You like Eve? Well, here's 19 more tracks of a bunch of people you never heard of, and we're going to shove them down your throat and you're going to like it. Well, hold on. That raises a question, kind of tangential to that, but in the same space. Do rappers not have homeboys no more? Not enough to put on a track. Because when I was a kid, I mean, a track, when I was a kid, they all got deals. Like, Biggie took all them non-rapping that made them a group, the Junior Mafia. Boom. Everybody at least got one album. Or at least got their cousin all, like your consequences, your rampage, the last Boy Scout, D-Shot and Be Legit. You know, like like all of it. Like Slip mode. The, the, the big brother or the dope brother brought everybody out. I feel like, was Nelly the last person or Eminem? They, they, those the last two? D12, St. Lunatics. But at least D12 and St. Lunatics had a hit or two. I don't know if Flip Mode. Yes. Flip Mode had tight artists. Rod Dicker was dope, solo. Lord of Mercy had verses. Yeah. But you put them all collectively. Lord Have Mercy had a voice. Okay, fair. Like, how much would you pay to hear an album of Lord Have Mercy and RBX? Deeper than the mind of Minolta. Like, all that bellowing. I have no remorse because I'm the murderer. Haven't you ever heard? I, <laughs> I was so in on Pac. I bought the Fatal Hussein solo album. I bought a D12 album. Whatever the Purple Pills album was. I bought that. I bought a couple of slip and slide artists. Shout out to Trick Daddy. But that's also, I was, wow, to be see, don't make that lie. face. I was in school in Florida, so you see them every three months in town doing something. So, yes, I'm going to buy on, a Deuce Pop Hold on. Hold on. and a 24K album. Not just going to buy Trina. This is all I'm saying. See, I don't like that judgment okay. in your voice. You acting like... You acting like not, you ain't nah, never. Nah, it's not judgment. It's not judgment. It's not judgment. It's not judgment. I just know the time period when you was in school. And I'm just saying, before Yo No Nan came out, right? When you the world learned about Trick Daddy, he had the album that came out before www.thug.com. Yeah, well, no, www.thug.com had the Yo No Nan on it, right? But there was one before it. And do you remember what the promotional material was? It was Trick Daddy's face. Oh, based on, on a true story. Yeah, Thug's going to live that long. Yes, which has the all-time classic back in the day on it, as I recall. But anyway, or is that on the next one? Either way it goes, I was not seeing that and being like, I got to find out who else on this team. Why? Because he bit off old Dirty? I mean, the Wu is the greatest. I don't even know. That's disrespectful. Because the Wu is not a one rapper and then he put the crew on. The Wu was a conglomerate Avengers-esque yes. situation. I'm talking about just strictly one strong rapper like fa like Scarface and Face Mob. Did you buy any Face Mob solo albums? Solo, no. A Face Mob album. That's what yes. I'm saying. In the album, it only has one yes. cut, maybe two. This generation, at least they get the benefit of getting the artists they love over and over and over again because the record labels finally got smart and said, hey, we're not signing nine of your homeboys. They're trash it's not going to sell. <laughs> so either you get a deal and they can get on stage with you and go, hoot, 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 but we're not giving them a deal. Because to me, those were the albums that were an even bigger letdown than your artists changing styles or your artists 
deciding that they want to change into something with a different style. Like, no, to me, the bigger letdown, more than a double album, more than your artist changing style, was the Rap Crew compilation albums. Because it's one rapper that can rap, one possible, and then the rest is like, "Eh." (sighs) Well, it's that time Jay-Z ran the game on people where it was going to be a compilation, and then they decided to just call it Dynasty La Familia and call it a Jay-Z record. Now, at least them dudes could buy in large rap, right? Like, that wasn't a whack crew. Emil. It was the Okie Doke. It was not a Jay-Z album. Bleak. Was Jazzo still around at that point? I think he was still down, and they was dragging a mill around. And I recall that when they dropped a mill from the crew, somebody asked Jay-Z why, and I believe the quote he offered was, what do you think? <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I've I've always found those albums to be the most disappointing, but I, would, I just love the artist so much that I'm just like, well, if Pac sees something in him, maybe I should buy the Outlaws again. You know, it, it just... <sighs> How many No Limit albums would you say you bought total? Don't lie. Every two weeks. Every two weeks for three years, Master P and No Limit Records released. Literally, every two weeks for three years, they released an album. Yes. And you didn't buy none of them. Yeah, I didn't buy one. Not even Mercedes. Not Skullduggery. Cain and Abel. Nah. I mean, I'd listen to them at the club or when somebody else was playing them. But that was the thing. I was in Atlanta. Why would I need, in Houston, why would I need to buy these things? I could just listen to people playing them on the radio. Funk. Oh, God, no. No, not Sons of Fall. Moby Dick. Um, I did like Max Shellshocked a lot. <laughs> yeah, Moby, Moby Dick was funny because they like, yo, I guess you make beats. We do have to let you make an album if you so decide. Okay, that's that's what we're going to do. No, nah, I didn't I didn't get down the rabbit hole of the No Limit. I always knew that this was not high-quality rap music. I was there every two weeks like clockwork with my $14, like a loyal soldier. To buy the same With album you just bought track two weeks one before. compilation of everybody that we've signed since we signed the song? since the last album. Here's a new soldier song with 14 people in a row. Fiend is yes. one artist though that I really felt like I hate that when he left and he went to Rough Riders and it didn't pop the way he did. But I think also in those days, you know, East Coast A and R didn't know how to push Southern rap. Oh, no idea. The, the idea that Def Jam South ever existed. It was just an acknowledgement that like, why could this just not be Def Jam? Oh, that's right. Because we don't actually know. I was peeping during that uh, UGK 8-Ball MJG Versus. I wonder how many songs they going to sing from that bad boy era. <laughs> I tell you this, though. That first bad boy 8-Ball MJG record is flames. The Living Legends? Woo! The Living Legends is hot, hot, hot heat. Top to bottom, hot, hot heat. But before we go, I got to let you do this for the people because baseball season is starting. You know what I'm saying? People got to figure out what to do with their withdrawal because there's no basketball. You want to do like a commercial advertisement or something to get people into America's pastime. Hello, everybody. It is Roy Wood Jr., baseball fan. I know you think baseball is slow and boring, but there are new exciting additions to the game, such as the bat flip, gold chains that you put on after you hit a home run, and also being hit by a pitch for bat flipping and putting on a gold chain after hitting a home run. <laughs> there are exciting <laughs> fights from time to time. And also every now and then you can see a grown man holding an infant reach out over a third deck railing to catch a baseball he could have purchased in the gift shop for $8. I hope that you will join us this season. And for the black people, <sighs> there's good black players. Watch and support the black players. I know you want to ban 
I know you want some dancing. This ain't the Savannah Bananas. This is Major League Baseball. <laughs> Rooted in racism and, uh, uh, excuse me, um, American tradition. <laughs> Support black baseball greats like Jazz Chisholm of the Miami Marlins or Tim Anderson. And you know Tim is black because he got some drama going on right now off the, off the field, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the program, Tim Anderson. Um, it's a fun sport. You know why I love baseball, man? And the reason why I'm trying to introduce my son to it, not to make him play it, but to understand that life is about making adjustments after failure. It is the only sport where you are trash most of the time and you're considered good. So it's a team sport, but it's really about what you do individually that contributes to the team. There we go. You hear that, kids? You trash most of the time, but just, you know, get one in the gap every now and then and we'll let it all slide. I wish MLB would market baseball more as a place to take a date because it really is a nice, proper two hour, three hour sit and just watch something and just talk. It's no different than walking back and forth. Like you go walk in a park, you can go to a baseball game for eight dollars and go sit in the shade. It's a romantic place. Google sex in stands at sports games and you'll see what i mean it's romantic that right there is roy wood jr <laughs> giving you news you can use check him out on the daily show my man greatly appreciate it man as always brother all right and ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for joining us here on the right time thanks for joining us on youtube gabe bassane and adi khan handle things behind the scenes thank you gentlemen Remember, The Right Time Book Club, we got our next installment coming up on June 27th. We are reading King of the World by David Remnick. We're going to wrap up the book with Corey Erdman, boxing commentator. Be sure to check that out. Uh, Remember, follow The Right Time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.